Hello and welcome to episode 78 of Just Keep Writing. A podcast for writers. Bye, writers. To keep you writing. I'm Marshall. I'm Nick. I'm Brent. And I'm Will. Gentlemen, we're back again. And uh, after our last two military-focused episodes, we are here to talk about rejections. Now, before we get into it, though, I want to say the impetus of this uh, episode is from our Patreon, our one of our newer Patreon uh, subscribers, and they were very curious about how we deal with rejections, how we keep writing. Essentially, the question is, how do you just keep writing if you keep getting rejections? So that's going to be the framework of our episode today, and I know we've all collected, I got a binder somewhere, I, I know we've all collected uh, uh, rejections here and there, so uh, that's that's the framework for today. So let's get into it. What do we got? Who wants to start? What are we doing? Let's go. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> Let me tell you a little something about being rejected. <laughs> well, the beautiful thing. Okay. So the beautiful thing, like um, like Marshall was saying, this was a Patreon inspired thing. So hop on our Patreon if you want to ask us things to talk about. So yeah, okay. Yeah. Now okay. <laughs> no, but our Patreon is exciting. We get you get yeah. writing prompts. I, I you're right, Brent. I didn't say this. We I get writing prompts there. every day. <laughs> uh, you get the episodes a day or two early as well. Um, and it's just a and and you get access to the Discord. Although we kind of let anybody in the Discord, but the conversation is a little bit different, a little more personal, and we do appreciate the emails that come through the Patreon the the Patreon feed. And so thanks to everybody who is a patron. Um, and it gives us a little bit of money to help us pay some for some stuff. We don't have to worry about it. So thanks to everybody who does that. And let's go. Okay. So rejections. Um, <laughs> this is the best right. conversation ever already. So, <laughs> the thing about rejections, I guess I'll just put it out there because I think sometimes um, writers try and run away from the fact that it sucks. Like, they suck. Rejections suck. It's okay to feel bad about getting a rejection. It does not mean you lack resilience or you lack willpower or you lack, you know, the stamina to be in the industry if rejections hurt your feelings. Like, rejections suck. Like, they they aren't fun. And I don't know if this will make anyone feel any better, but I have been on both sides of the equation. It sucks just as much sending them. So trust me, besides for, unless the editor's just an asshole, like we take no pleasure in sending rejections either. Like they are, I dread them every time I have to send them. It like, it's, it, I, I avoid it sometimes. I'm like, oh man, I gotta send these out. Like I don't want to. Like, so it, it sucks on both sides of the equation. I have a question. Um, since we did have a conversation off mic a little bit about rejection before we got in here, but I'm curious, is there a different, not a difference, but a different feeling or a different process? And I, this is kind of aimed at Brent, um, as far as short story rejections or like query letter rejections. So like, like think about it, like, you know, Nick and I on the show have talked about, um, NYC midnight, right? Like that's a contest, you know, it's not really a rejection, but you lose. Um, or you send a short story out to a, 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 a online like fire or something and you get rejected or you send a query letter and you get rejected. Is there, 
And does any of it matter? Is it all just rejection? I mean, yes, it, yes, and yes. It's it, yes, it's different, and yes, it all is rejection. But um, I would say to shorts with short stories, you're more so just putting out the content, and you're being rejected based on that. Whereas with like, I feel like with novel queries, um, you're having to distill a lot of information into a short space before they even get to your material sometimes. Like sometimes you, you'll just be rejected on the query letter. Like some agencies only want the query letter at first and they'll mm-hmm. make a determination if they want to see more or not. So you're kind of having to go through a few more steps in a novel query to get to that po- possible, you know, acceptance with an agent versus like with a short story. It's like, you're not having a query with a short story. You just typically you're not, you're just sending it out and they're judging it on the content of that short story. Yeah. Uh, Will, you were going to say some, <clears throat> um, just as a slush reader for escape pod. Um, I think what I've really learned is, to Brent's point, no one wants to say no. I think it would be a much more satisfying if we literally had to like love every single story. And as a slush reader, I would really love that because I'm not the final person who makes it. You know, it goes from the slush reader to the assist. So we're the we are in Escape Pod the associate editors. Then there's the assistant editors. The assistant editors reach it, and then it goes to the editors. Now, for anyone who's listening, the percentages, only about 15 to 18% of what the associate editors read actually makes it up to the assistant editor. So if you even just get that far, that is really good. And what we try to do as associate editors, and I have to say... um, I primarily work with Ben, who's the assistant editor. Um, ben really listens to our feedback. He'll do a read through. And some of the comments that we put in, um, he includes in the feedback. And I want to tell a story about this one that we had to reject. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to tell you what it's about or who the author was. Because one, I don't know who the author was because it's all blind. All the names blinded when we read them, the uh, associate editors. This was such a great story and it had the best voice. It captured a like middle school to young adult voice really, really strong. I blasted through a 6,000 word um, piece. And another thing is that when you're reading the slush, like you really learn when you need to have the inciting incident. So usually, um, this is an example, if you have someone who has 15 pages, right, double space pages that they send to you, and by page um, seven, if the inciting incident is there, if the setting isn't there, if we still don't know what the stakes are, it's an automatic going to be no, you know. But with this story, I read it through the whole thing, and it bordered more on magic versus really truly sci-fi and i loved this story 
and I even put in the, I even put in the, um, the rejection. I was like, there is every ounce of me wants to say yes, but it doesn't fit our magazine. Right. And I think that's a really important thing to remember. Make sure that when you're submitting, you are submitting with what the content equals for that magazine or for like arcs or for like a podcast. I would also say Wait, um, on that note though, yeah. I want to, mm-hmm. I want to clarify uh, the person that asked us this yeah, said that they did their homework on that aspect. So, but I appreciate that you said that because that is super, that's a huge deal. You got to make sure you do the research on the magazine you're submitting to. But so this person is facing rejection. Yeah. But this is what I'm leading into. So even leading into that, though, that you've done your research and you've submitted it, um, my next question would be, what story of theirs did you read that you analyzed it, re-engineered it, reverse engineered it, and looked at your story? Right? So, and let me just say this, like I'm using this as an example. I'm, I'm having my writing group reread Six of Crows. Well, I'm rereading it for like the 15th time because I'm writing book. a heist book that is science fiction versus fantasy. What I really wanted to do is dive into how Lee did the multiple POVs and what were the beats for the actual heist and then also how she was balancing external turmoil versus internal turmoil and also like writing down those beats page wise, right? How many pages mm-hmm. since then? And if you've listened to our other podcasts about mastering plot twists, I got the idea from that. It's the same thing with the short story, in my opinion, and everyone can jump in. I think if you're getting those rejections, Try to reverse engineer about some of the stories from that magazine that you liked and see if it's that, if, if you know, if there are ways that you could tweak it or that you could have done it better. And my next question would be is, um, are you getting f- personal feedback from the editors? Because I know with Escape Pod, we really try to, especially if it was almost a maybe or like with that one that I just had to flat out say no. Um, we really try to give like little one line, two lines about feedback. Like you're, you were almost there. We really loved it. It just doesn't fit it. Mm. Thoughts, everyone. Well, I, I agree with all of that. And what I would add to it, this is the part that sucks to hear for any writer, but there's just going to be some things that are completely out of your control. Luck is a huge factor in this industry in every aspect. And sometimes luck just doesn't pan out for you. Um, I'll give an example. So when I was doing Breathe Fire with Tor, um, we only could select so many stories. We literally had an abundance of really, really good stories. And we had to pare it down to 10. And between the between me and Devon, we had like 30 to 40 stories that we were like, these are all solid ass stories. We got people really stepped up and, you know, gave us their best. But ultimately, we still had to choose 10. So we're down to like, we're down to like 12, 15. No, not even 12. I think it's like 11. We have one slot left. 
there's two stories. Both of them are speculative stories about social media. Mm. Both were killer stories, but we ultimately had to choose one over the other in order to make sure, because this is the other thing about a magazine is that they have to make sure that content's not repetitive. So we had to ultimately choose one over the other. In any other world, if one hadn't submitted, that person would have been in there. And like that, that's just a shitty part of the business is that, you know, there's, there's budgets, there's numbers, there's, you know, thematic issues you have to consider on the editorial side. And none of that literally has zero to do with your writing ability. Like it has nothing to do with your story. Your story was perfectly fine. You just got crunched up by the numbers. And that's, that's a part of, that's a part of why you got to accept. And it's a, it sucks. It's shitty, but you know, um, yeah, it's just, it's part of the industry. And I'm saying that because I know you pointed out Marshall that um, the listeners said that they did their homework. Sometimes you can do your homework it's this Captain Picard quote. You can do everything right and still lose. And that's mm-hmm. just something you have to digest as a submitting author. So I have a question uh, for the group and probably I'm going to even Brent, I would say first in that conversation with our Patreon um, I'm trying to find their name, name now because I you know feel what? bad we're we not didn't ask them. if we didn't ask if we could use their names. So we <laughs> yeah, might that's not. Okay. You know, so that's yeah, why yeah. that's why I have their name written down. But I didn't want to okay. be like, "Hey, okay. um, Bob." That's not as that's not <laughs> their name. Um, I think what I've seen just from my personal experience and like getting this awesome education, being a slush reader, because it really has been really like eye opening and wonderful. Um, my critiques with my writing group have been a lot more blunt in the best possible way, because when they're submitting a short story to you, I automatically now tell them, I was like, if I was reading this through slush, I would have passed it over. And this is why. Um, so my question is, Brent, when do you think a writing group who are all really talented writers, when is it that you actually need to search out someone who has editing experience on maybe a semi-prosine or like a semi there? Do you think that really gives it a different perspective than just being in your writing group, even if everyone, some of them are published, you know, from there? Do you think that's something they should seek out? So it w- in a perfect world, these editors would have the time to respond and, you know, give you that advice. But there's just so many writers and so few editors by the numbers. I think it would be hard to establish that kind of relationship where you could just reach out to um, an editor at a magazine and be like, hey, can I, you know, get advice or assistance from you? I know that's something... Um, that was one of the things when forming fire, like we were insisting upon was like everyone gets feedback because we understood like how it can feel a bit disconcerting. Like when you're getting rejected over and over again and you're not getting an answer as to why. And I think to your point, will like writing groups sometimes if, if you're not careful, they can become echo chambers 
that aren't necessarily um, giving you what you need to grow. So I think if seeking out editors, it would be hard. Um, well, I think the I think the better, well, not better necessarily, but an answer that might be more feasible is to seek out writers that are better than you. Because they've probably gotten some of that personal feedback. They've probably taken a few more lumps than you have. And there, there's a few more of those than there are editors. And they can give you that wisdom. I know um, I've had people, you know, reach out to me into my uh, DMs, ask me stuff. And, uh, you know, I've responded, try to give my advice. And, and not everybody's going to be available to do that. And so just know that going into it. So don't. Don't take it personal if someone can't respond or doesn't get back to you right away. Uh, just understand, like, a lot of these writers are, like, super busy. And some of them, they're, they're shy. I know it may not seem like it. Like, you see this larger-than-life writer who's, like, publishing all these stories left the right, but they're painfully <laughs> socially awkward. And, like, you know, so it's just just remember when seeking out the advice of others who have a little more experience that they're still human and they come with those traits. So seek to grow but don't necessarily um expect that person to give you that time and there, there will be people that will i mean if anybody listening you want to hit me up in my dms about something you can so i think this is a good time i'm gonna switch over to uh should we tell some personal experience with rejection i i it just came to me right now i was looking at nick and i'm like i know you've experienced this i've experienced it so like i don't know I'll, I'll just throw it out to you guys. Whatever you want to talk about, it's fine. But like, it looked like Nick wanted to say something. So maybe I'm just prompting you a little yeah, bit. Yeah, no, I think that's a good idea. Let Nick, um, let's all talk about it. But Nick, you can go first. Yeah. What you got, buddy? <laughs> Y'all got nothing. It's great hearing someone who's an associate editor and an editor like talk about their experience of, of giving those rejections out. Like, that's something I don't feel like we get a lot on. Um, that's really out there. So it's nice to hear that. So, you know, Will, Brent, thank you. Um, I appreciate that and you guys opening up about your experiences with it because um, you're not always the evil side that says no and you hate me and you hate everything I do and you want me to die and you know no, sometimes that's no. how rejections feel <laughs> and I and I, and that's and that's why I'm glad we're doing this because I totally get it but honestly I want to say yes like that that is my like I want to be wowed by a story like I love when I can come across a story by um an author i haven't read before and just be like wow like i could actually tell y'all some stories about like successful slush stories or whatever that came out so um danny lore i pulled them out of the slush for fire issue three and now they have this huge comic career like they're doing all these things so you know and 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 then and they tell me all the time like getting pulled out of the slush like that gave them the confidence to really really start believing in their writing. Our um Christopher Caldwell like he's so fucking cool. Like I I got him for fire issue two and like it's just this rising star. So we want stories like that. Like that's what we're going into the slush hoping to find. Like we're hoping to find these people that haven't had a chance to have their voice heard and then, like put them out there. At least good editors are. Good editors are looking for that. Now, how much, how, how, how real should I keep it? Um, <laughs> well, yeah. Can I, can I throw something out there real quick? Cause I yeah, think for sure. what, what, I, 
I think that what a lot of us look at when we look at like the online magazines and stuff too, and I think this goes to what uh, Will was saying with Escape Pod too, is like, it, it looks like if we have a story to be told and there's hope in our eyes and we've worked on this story, like it feels like, you know, if I submit it to this, and I've done my research, like I could get this short story published. Like, let's just go with that. Right. I'm, yeah. I'm so amped. I get the short story published, but then when that rejection ultimately comes back, I think the question from our, our patron is really is like, how do we, how do we, push through that. Right. And I love, I love the fact that you're saying like, you know, these folks that don't, they made it through that is what, what yeah. I'm saying is that you're just, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So, so what do we, what are, I'm, I'm, I'm partially asking for personal experience and also asking for advice for our, for our audience too. Right. Will. Yeah. I love Will. Yeah. Well, if anyone has been listening to the podcast, I've always been like, I'm not good enough. I don't know what I'm doing yet. And yeah, I, know. Right. I just submitted something. And this is what I had to learn. Because a lot of times I think, I'm just going to speak from my experience, okay? When you grow up and you hear these voices or you hear people tell you that you're nothing, that you have no value, and when you're someone who's marginalized, right? And I still have a lot of privilege, right? in comparison to a lot of people. But that really sat with me for a really long time. And also there was a point in my 20 when I was 23 that I actually got scammed and Nick is the only person who knows this story <laughs> into writing um for a fake agent and it crushed me. Oh. Ah, and sucks. it crushed me because I was so um, there, there wasn't as many resources as there are now, like the internet. I wasn't going to any cons because, you know, I grew up in a really, um, in a lot of way, very isolated when it came to going after your dreams. And I was not yet allowing myself to make room for creativity when it came to writing, because a lot of that was wrapped up into how I felt, do I have value? And I talked about this a couple episodes about having value, right? So for me, it was just more about you just got to do it. Rip the Band-Aid off, submit. It's okay you get rejected um, because that is a part of the game, you know? And I had to really think to myself, and I really needed to have like a moment with myself. And I had to look at it like after everything I've been through in my whole life, am I really this is what I'm going to give up on? Like, really? Like, if you think about some of the obstacles I've been through, like this, I'm not going to pursue it because I feel like I don't have something to say. When honestly, when I think about it, I have a lot to fucking say. So no, just get over it. Do it. You're going to get rejected. It's okay. Keep writing. Just keep writing. Right. <laughs> just keep writing. Okay, so... So if if you're looking for something more practical and less motivational, I will give this. This is a rule of thumb that P. Jelly Clark gave me years ago when I was a baby writer trying to figure out the world. And I didn't know what the hell to do with anything with these magazines. And um, he was always really great about pushing like me and my peers to like just keep submitting 
And so his rule of thumb was, and I still kind of hold to it, is that you don't touch that story until you get five form rejections. Once you get five form rejections, then you look back at it and see like what you may want to tweak. But until you reach that quota of five, you keep submitting that story to markets to get accepted. Because he was like, the worst thing you could do is get mired in trying to fix the story after every single rejection. When And I think he, he that rule really helped me kind of understand that yeah, a lot of it just isn't you. It's just a numbers game. And so he was always like five. If it, if you get a personal, if you have like one personal rejection and four form, that's still not the five. You got to send it someplace else. So until you hit that five mark, you keep submitting. Oh, I and like I kind of always held to that. Nick? No, that's super good. I was actually going to talk about that. Like a lot of it is a numbers game, right? You, you submit and submit and submit and submit. Maybe you get some formed response back. Maybe you get some personalized response back. But I think it is a numbers game because you really don't know at the end of the day, like Brent, what you were saying, <clears throat> it's it may not be a good fit at that time or you may not be the right voice for that specific publishing, right? So it, it right. kind of is a numbers game, which I haven't figured out yet. Uh, I'm, I'm still rocking over uh, like... I don't know, 20. It's great. <laughs> uh, but kind of bring it back around to like what Marshall said, you know, talking about our own experiences. I feel like I'm pretty resilient to rejection. And I feel like I'm abnormal in that space where like a, re- a rejection doesn't hit me right away. But like a year from then, I'll be like, oh, hey, I really do suck. And they proved it. Yeah, I shouldn't do this anymore. Right. And, and so it, up front, like I think getting rejected does suck, but you've got to have a like kind of a point of resilience. I think one of the pieces that I'm good at is understanding that after I submit, once I hit submit, it's now business. So it's nothing to do with the emotion that went into my story. And I yeah. and like if you can look at it that way, I think it does help out a little bit there. Um, you know, and then you you do you go back to your business because you have this emotional thing that you need to write out in the form of story. That's never going to go away. No matter how many times you've been rejected or accepted. Will. Sorry. I don't mean to constant. I feel like I'm dominating the conversation. Oh. We're used I to it. Also, we're, we're a podcast sorry. of four. It's your turn yeah. to talk. Go. <laughs> I keep thinking about this because I'm um, besides writing, I'm working on getting art samples together to do stuff for Marvel and to send stuff to some of the art directors so I can, you know, do that as far as illustration and do comic books and everything. And uh, one of my professors at school said something, you know, you are going to get rejected, you know, and um, the idea is, is if you can take those moments about maybe looking at like what you're pitching for. And this might not always work with writing, but if you're an artist of any form, look at who also they're, they're, um, they're accepting if you're a visual artist, right? This is what I'm learning about pitching for like Marvel and DC and everything, you know, see, you know, where you get your, where you're going to get your groove. And I think this is what's so great about, um, Fire, Faya, 
Which one is it, Brent? Is it fire or Either fire? Either or. We, we accept. As long as it's not fear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks, George. Um, yeah, right. Um, because a lot of times people who were traditionally left out of having a voice are, you know, you want to look, if you can look for especially those opportunities that are looking for those types of writings or illustrations or by artists of that work, go for it. Because to Brent's point, they're going to be more open of giving you feedback, you know, of maybe what was not working. So um, I would, I would also try to say like, we were talking about this in my writing group, one of my uh, writing group members got rejected and they were really upset, but then said, you know what? I looked at um, what I wrote and I really needed to say to myself, I rushed it. So sometimes if you're being rejected too, after those five times, just to Brent's point, you can really look apart and be like, okay, like, is there anywhere that I could tweak it? Or if not, you just put it aside and keep writing. Right. Yeah. And I think, I think that, you know, from my personal rejection journey, um, I, I've liked, uh, you know, the stories that I've written, sometimes I've submitted it and I didn't do my homework, 100%. That's, that's a big part of it for me. The other part is that, um, I suck at endings. I need, I have work to be done. You know, it, it's the feedback that helps. Like I know when I've, sub- I've submitted to FIA a few times and that is really helpful to have that publication that will take the time to give that feedback because when I do decide to go back to that story, because I haven't gone back to some of them because I'm like, all right, it got rejected. I don't want to deal with it right now. I'm going to move on to something else, but I still love that story. So at some point, if I want to go back to it, I still have that feedback to be like, Oh shit, that was where I was when I wrote this. Now I have this feedback. Now I can recraft this story and maybe send it out again and collect five more rejections and see what happens. You know what I mean? Like I I like that number of five Brent. I really like that because I I've, I've submitted a story to like two places, for example, but you know, after the first rejection, I'm like, well, let me change this and let me change this. Let me change this. Then I sent it to the next one and I'm spinning my wheels over that one story. I really like that concept of just like, just keep sending it out because it could be luck. It could be circumstance. It could be, you know, um, a mechanical thing. It could be a number of different things, but like once you get that personalized feedback from even one, or those five feet, you know, five rejections, like, okay, now I'm going to re, you know, maybe send it out to your writing group and deal with it there or something like that. Like, I, I really right. like that. I think that's a good rule of thumb for sure. Well, so. shout out to P. Lee Clark for that. He's <laughs> the one that gave me it. But I think it's good because it gives, if you're submitting to five places, let's just say each place takes like a month to get back to you. That's five months away from the story by the time you come back to it. You're going to come back to it with completely fresh eyes and you're going to really be able to see what's not working. So that's the other part of it that I think is what makes it makes it good because it's it's good for getting you in the mindset of like resilience. But it's also good because it forces you to create space before you go back and tinker with the story. Yeah. And I also think, you know, if you're getting rejections, that means you're a working writer. 
like you are actively pursuing your goals and your dreams and you're doing the work that is needed to be done. And a lot of people don't even ever get there in their life. So it means that you're, you're on the right path. You're, you're, you're doing the work you're putting it in. Um, And what I would also say is what I always try to do is I try to look for people in the media of any field who maybe have similar circumstances or who beat the odds, right? Or people who inspire you, right? Like, so when I was a kid, it was like, um, probably like Anne Rice, right? Like, I mean, like really little, because I started reading Anne Rice in fourth grade. My mom had no idea what she was (laughs) writing. Um, (laughs) So the claiming of Sleeping Beauty, my mom was like, oh, as you know, it's a fairy tale. Um, No. Um, What I loved about Anne Rice is that, you know, she got rejected for Interview with the Vampire 122 times, right? Crazy. People just passed over her. And then it it went on to, you know, do so well. So I always kept that in mind because, you know, I loved that story as a kid, you know, my tastes have changed. Um, but I think, you know, it gave me something to really think about. Another thing is I started looking at people who were musical artists or who were painters or comic book. You know, I looked at a lot of comic book writers who broke in, way earlier or people who, you know, weren't like, uh, Chris Claremont, you know, Chris Claremont was like a gay man in the eighties writing X-Men. And he got a lot of pushback about a lot of the things he wanted to do. And I felt like, how did he go about unraveling all of that? You know, so you, you try to make people, I think, who inspire you or who traveled the same road and were able to, you know, break out in their art. I think that's a good way to be like, stay motivated and look towards the future because your story will be even better when you break out. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's the, the thing with writing is like, it is, a uh, Alexander Rowland, they talk about this, um, they talk about having a cockroach mentality. And basically by that, what they mean is nothing kills a cockroach. Like uh, they, they survive, a, they can survive a nuclear holocaust. So when it comes to your determination as a writer, you got to be like a cockroach. You got to keep going. Nothing's going to get, nothing's going to kill that drive. Nothing's going to stop you from just putting words to paper. And what I, what I would say too, just on like a, a sort of practical suggestion is that, you know, as you're waiting for those five rejections to pile up, you should already be working on the next thing. Like that is the easiest way for me personally to dim the anxiety of waiting for an acceptance or a rejection is to be working on the next thing. Because by the time I get the rejection, I'm like, well, my mind's mostly on this new thing anyway. So Ah, that sucks, but I'm I'm on the new thing right now. That's where most of my mental energy is going. So I, I that's that's a personal thing. Now that may not work for everybody, but for me, I always find that if I have stuff out there on submission, I want to be working on the next thing. And yeah, that's that that so far has been a successful method for me. Did we want to talk about novel rejection? Yeah, I think I think we should probably get to that. Um, okay. to round out the episode, I think 
Let's talk about the query process rejection agent process a little bit, because I think that's a bit different than obviously a lot different than the short oh, story yeah. to to online magazines rejections. So well, I have a catastrophic uh, novel rejection story. So um, <laughs> I, for, I guess first, maybe we should go through the steps just for people who don't know. And then I'll go back to my horror story. Um, <laughs> so. With the novel, let's just say, hey, let's just say you just did nano. Actually, don't do this. Okay, so this is, I'm gonna put this out there now. Um, if you just finished your nano project, please do not query that thing this month or next month, actually. Give you want to wait till about maybe February or March before you try to query it. And that even that's pushing it because wow, you must have did some fast ass editing. But let's just say you are one of those people that could knock it out. Just don't send it this month or next month. You're really, I'll, again, no advice is universal, but I just was strongly cautioned against doing it just because, you know, that this is a time frame where a lot of people who don't really understand the industry will finish something at the end of Nano and they just start sending it out there and a lot of these agents in box get flooded. So mm-hmm. that's just a little preface there. Okay. So let's just say this is like regular time, not not end of the year. You just finished your novel. You 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 send out to your beta readers. They loved it. You polished it up. You got the edits going. Blah blah blah. So first thing you want to do is you're going to want to get your query letter together. Um, now this is how I did it when I was querying. Um, I have a spreadsheet. I keep a spreadsheet of the agent's name, the agency, and like what their requirements are. Because you want just with, just like with short stories, follow the guidelines. The easiest w- way to get rejected is by not following guidelines. So I set that up, and then um, query letter. You get your you and then you send out your query with whatever other required materials the agency has. So at that point, it, it short stories. Well. No, never mind. Short stories is a much shorter window in terms of getting an acceptance or rejection than with novels. With novels, if you're sending it out there, be prepared to wait for a while to get answers sometimes. Every situation is different, but typically you're looking at about three months to six months, depending on, you know, the agency. Sometimes longer. There's definitely stories with that. Um, so at that point, you will either you'll either get a form rejection, or they'll hit you up asking you for more pages, or they want the whole they want the full MS. So my <laughs> so my first foray into querying a novel was actually a sort of non traditional way. So. I did Div Pit on Twitter. Div Pit is diversity uh, pitch event for people who don't know. And so I pitched my project on Twitter. Um, and for that day, because they have a different day for young adult and adult. So I did the adult day. For that day, like my tweet was like one of the most liked tweets. I had editors quote tweeting it, talking about, oh, yeah, this is definitely going to get you an agent. And all these people who wanted to send it to me. I have no agent that so I, that tells you how that how that went. That was a complete crash and burn. All I got was rejection after rejection after rejection. I think that project got like 
it got about, I want to say, 50-something before I was like, okay, this obviously wasn't ready yet. But, um, yeah, it, it kind of sucked. It was a little bit embarrassing. At least if uh, now that I'm older, I don't really care as much. But back then, it was like, oh, man, like everybody was expecting this. That's what I felt like. I felt like everybody was expecting this to like blow up and do really good. And then once it got out in the query trenches, completely fucking, I mean, completely bombed. So... Uh yeah, that was my first like real like I think those rejections hurt the most if uh any other rejections just because I feel like everybody had these expectations set up for it and it just didn't live up to it when it actually got out there. So if you're going out there and you're querying a novel, I would say be kind to yourself and also be working on the next thing, much like with short stories. Do not sit around putting all your eggs in that one basket because the difference with <laughs> the difference with novels versus short stories is like, God, you, you may have to you may have to query like seven, ten books sometimes before you even get that first agent. Every experience is different, but it, I feel like with novels, even more so than short stories, you really have to have a commitment to just keep doing the work and to not take any of this personally, because I think the numbers for agents are even worse than the numbers for like short story submission editors. I bet. Yeah. Nick. And let's not forget after you have completed a short story, a novel, anything, take time to celebrate, celebrate yourself, celebrate your victory. Enjoy yeah. that moment of, of being complete. I think that's kind of like <laughs> I fail there. <clears throat> I don't I don't always celebrate the way that I should when I, I do finish something, compl- you know, front to back with the final draft on it. I know of three times it's happened in the last oh, six months with school. So, <laughs> you know, like it, I think that helps out a lot, too, is if you're able to take that in stride instead of being done and then submitting it right away. And you're just going from one stress to another. Take that break. Celebrate your victories. Yeah. Or even make victories out of the rejections. I know some people who will do things like, oh, once I get the 50 rejections, I'm going to go get that uh, that pie that I've really been eyeing in the store and I've been trying <laughs> not to get. Well, I got 50 rejections. I'm going to get the pie. All right. You know, it's like once I get the 75 rejections, I can go buy myself that pair of sneakers. Like, you know, because to Will's earlier point, like rejections mean you're a working writer. So build celebration into that. Like you get to a certain amount, go do something nice for yourself. And um, what I would say too is, you know, if if spite is your thing, then use spite. Some people don't want to use celebration. Some people rather be angry to propel themselves for it. If that's what it takes for you to stay in the game and to keep doing your thing, then be spiteful too, damn it. Just do <laughs> do whatever works for you to not give up. Yeah, whatever keeps you writing, right? Yes, whatever keeps you writing. Because And see, this is a statistic I think most people, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but I, it was shocking when I found it out. I think it is some upwards of 60% of writers never write another book after their first deal is done. So God damn. even getting into the gate doesn't necessarily mean, you know, 
like, because I think sometimes we get this idea, and I know I've had this idea in my head before too. I've had to kind of disavow myself a bit. Is that like, once you get the agent, once the book comes out, your success is just solidified and you don't have any more hurdles. And it's like, you will always have hurdles. There will always be another way to be rejected. There will always be another way for someone to tell you no. And yeah. And, and, and also to Will's point um, earlier where he kind of talked about how people look at the people's careers that you really like and look at the things they've had to been through to motivate yourself. I think of um, V.E. Schwab a lot with that. Like um, their first trilogy completely tanked, <laughs> completely tanked to the point where it's like you can't even find it anywhere. It went out of print. And look at them now. They have a Netflix show coming out next year. They, 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 the freaking Adam LaRue has sold so many millions of copies. Like it's, it's really a matter of how long do you want to keep at this and how, how many times are you willing to be told no? And, and, and this is the other thing too, because uh, I think sometimes we shame people into sticking this out forever and ever, no matter what. If there comes a point when you truly, when you really decide like this just isn't for me and I can't handle these, this, the amount of rejections and the amount of like of scrutiny I have to go through then that is okay and that is valid. And if you got to back away from it, back away from it. Just make sure you you really, really giving it the thought it deserves before you make that kind of a decision. But I do think sometimes, this is just me personally, I think sometimes we overemphasize the keep doing this no matter what forever and ever. And sometimes dreams change. So if you feel like this just isn't for you at some point, then that's okay too. This is for another episode, but, you know, thinking of that also is I'd really like us to do an episode on actually why we write, because for some people, I feel like it is just to your point, like you're, you're just trying to, you're trying to get published. You're trying to tell stories, but like, is writing also, can it be viewed as like a calling? Meaning that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get published and you're going to make money. But the actual point of writing, I was, um, it was something we did for uh, SNL a couple weeks ago. And one of, um, and the Apple commercial, I was working on an Apple commercial for World's AIDS Day. And one of the um, bass players is a bass player for Beyonce, right? And we were just talking about music and like how like I play instruments and everything and And she said the most wonderful thing. She goes, you know, people should play instruments just to play. There shouldn't be this focus of just, well, if you're taking instruments as a kid or an adult, that means you have to do it as a career. No, like you literally could just do it for fun and because you like it. Yeah, just go play. And I think sometimes I saw someone say this and and it kind of resonated with me was like, just because you're good at the thing doesn't mean you got to make a career out of it mm-hmm. or, or you have to monetize it. Like if you can be an amazing singer and that doesn't mean you have to go try to pursue to be a recording artist. You just like to sing and like, that's okay. So I think um, if you're really, really struggling with the rejections in this industry and it's really bogging you down, I think it wouldn't hurt to have that conversation with yourself. Like, because I know me, if someone was to come to me right now and be like, 
you will I can 100 percent guarantee you that you will never see a dime off of your writing starting now. I'm still going to write, mm-hmm. you know, so that may not be the same for everybody. And that's OK, too, because like the thing is, <laughs> just because I now we're moving that possible impossible scenario out the way, just because I like to write doesn't mean I don't like to eat, too. So like <laughs> it, it's OK also to like w- want to write and make money. So. Right. Yeah. But um, I feel like I'm losing the point here a little bit. <laughs> this is well, that's a, that's I have a question then, because I think about creativity transference. If you sometimes take a break from one creative activity, another creativity, another creative activity is going to come to rise. You know, I think sometimes we need to. Hopefully people can um, change their energy. And creative means everyone thinks it's, well, I can't draw or I can't do this. It's not about doing that. It's about having um, a, a point of doing something, right? Woodworking, building a little doghouse is creative because you're literally putting intention and thought into making something that could be crocheting. It could be so many different things to kind of take your mind off of your, your main creativity force, whether it be writing. So if you're a writer and you're like, I'm not creative in other ways, if you bake, that's creative organization. Guess what? That's creative. Cause that's something I just can't do. Um, (laughs) so I, I think we need to also think in terms of, um, you know, there's so many different ways that we can, uh, grab our creativity and give it a rest on like the one main thing that we want to pursue. Yeah. Sure. I think that to build on Will's point with that too, I think there's some I've seen people say, and I think it really, really is true. If, if once you start writing with the intent of trying to get published, you need to find another hobby. Like that is not monetized in any way. Cause if, if, you're writing was your hobby and you now you're trying to let it also occupy the space of being a career. You're going to drive yourself just bad shit. So find another hobby. It doesn't necessarily have to be a creative hobby. Some people, some people like, they like to run or they like, you know, I mean me, I like the gym. Like that's why that's like, like my other thing, like just have something else that, that, you know, you're passionate about that has nothing to do with writing. Cause that's another way to build up that, build up that barrier for when you do get rejected for um, stories. Because if if writing is your whole world, those rejections are going to hit so much harder. So do the things that you need to create that space. And um, I, I think I said this, me and uh, Nino were talking about this the other, um, last week. One of the biggest things that has helped my mental with writing this year in particular, in terms of like, handling the challenges of it, including rejections is having friends who don't give a shit about me being a writer and honestly don't care about me being a writer. Yeah. Like you ha- when you have those people who ground, they ground you. Right. Because I think sometimes, especially with social media you, in the writing world in general, you kind of start to get pulled in and you start to think this, this is its own whole world and that's all there is. And the truth of the matter is, most people don't even know about what you're writing, where you're submitting to in these magazines and whatnot. So 
creating that, I think that little kick of reality helps too with the rejections. Yeah, I think also this is one of the reasons why I don't, I always keep saying I would never, this is just me. I don't think I could ever right now just write by some miracle I was able, say I was able to just write full time. I just don't think I would want that right now. I think I would still want to work in the creative field that I'm in to balance it out because they're so opposite in a lot of ways that I also don't have to like be like, oh my God, this book has to do so well for me to be like living. Well, statistically too, it's it's very hard to exactly well statistically to actually write full time and make a living out of it i mean that's the thing and yeah. and i know for and me like like hey, right i mean i've been spinning my wheels for how many years or how many jobs and like i'm a teacher and like now i'm back in school for my masters i'm like i would love to write full time but i know i know that's probably not going to be something that's full time but i will i'm not going to stop doing it i was going to throw and and when you guys were saying earlier too um, as far as outlets go and as far as other things you do that you can work on and, and, you know, like music and, and stuff like that. Like, I know this is going to sound stupid, but I play golf and I, and this is the best golf I've ever played at age 42. My handicap is lower than it's ever been. And I am having a blast and I'm spinning my wheels over that and thinking about it all the time. And then when I get to my writing, I'm like, Oh shit, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta do this. Cause I'm, I'm never going to be a pro golfer shit i'm so far from that it's not even funny right especially at 42 but i love the sport but that's part of the outlet that's part of the other things that we do so when we sit down to write you know those stories can can be there and we and we we've worked through the other stuff you know what i mean so let's wrap this up what you got nick yo i don't know about you guys i'm on I'm going to be a full-time writer. I'm going to make a living out of this. I'm going to I'm gonna do this shit. I don't care how long it you takes. This, like, hey, I have full faith in you. Just know the average, you got to get about 10 books out there. Then that's a, a, about the point where you could start looking at full-time. Mm, I got, and I, I hope, I hope you do it. I, just, I do too. I, I just live in one of the most expensive cities in the world, so I feel like I would need to make ridiculous amounts of money for me to even live because making six figures in New York literally means you're like maybe middle class making it <laughs> barely yeah. like you're, yeah, like you're just you. you're just maybe not living paycheck to paycheck when you're making a little over a hundred thousand you're right. just a little bit comfortable then the pandemic happens and then yeah. a couple of us live in California and then there's that too so yeah <laughs> yeah, because San Diego and where you're at, Marshall's so expensive. Yeah, I might as well be living in San Francisco, even though thankfully yeah. I don't. Cause so what God. I'm hearing is move out to the middle of the sticks and write because no. you'll save money. No, I don't want to live no. in Utah. No, okay, I so, can't whoa, live in Utah. I said middle of the sticks here. We're, <laughs> we're, we're a little cold anywhere. Okay. No. Suddenly someone's going to come at me with an axe. I'm going to be running. It's going to be like the ghost face killer and scream. I don't want that. <laughs> And you know All what? Right. There's your book. <laughs> you guys are crazy. I already right, wrote so to that. Wrap this up, it's called Conversations with Dead People. <laughs> Let's do this. Let's say thank you to our uh, our one of our newest Patreon subscribers for this question. It obviously sparked an amazing conversation. Um, obviously, our our motto here is just keep writing. So please just keep doing that in whatever way, shape, or form it happens. Collect those rejections. Celebrate them. 
I, I don't know. All the advice we gave out tonight, I think, is is all worth taking away. Um, so here we are. Just keep writing or something. Yeah. <laughs> and this has been Just Keep Writing, a podcast for writers, by writers, to keep you writing. You can find us at justkeepwriting.org. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Feel free to reach out to any of us on our social medias, and please jump in our Just Keep Writing Discord channel. Links to all of that is in the show notes. Lastly, please support our show by going to patreon.com slash justkeepwriting. We offer daily writing prompts, early access to podcast episodes, and much more. Thanks for listening, and just keep writing.